Welcome to the new episode of Civis Pachem, dear listeners, the podcast about transatlantic security and American foreign policy. It's 18th of January 2020, and uh, we are your hosts, regular hosts, Dimitri and Vava. So, just a small announcement uh, before our new episode. Uh, we're going to record our podcast uh, from now on on Saturday. Exactly. So, we can keep a track. And just know that it's going to be more regular from now on. Exactly. So, reserve some for yourself some time on Saturdays yeah. to listen to us. On weekends. Get a warm blanket, a cup of tea, and enjoy. Exactly. Um, so, today we have a lot of topics to cover. It's a very interesting podcast, I guess. It is indeed. Um, so, first of all, our agenda is Libya. Mm-hmm. We're going to discuss like this conflict and uh, upcoming uh, summit in Berlin. And foreign interventions. Exactly, as usual. Then we proceed uh, with the topic of a recent uh, deal between China and the US. Yes, exactly. A very important topic in Pacific relations. And, like, I guess it's a very important topic for just, you know, international relations in general. <laughs> of course. Um, then we're going to talk a little bit about European and Chinese relations. Yes, um, in relation to the recent deal. Yeah, and like recent spy mm-hmm. that was found in uh, like lobbyists, and there was found there was a spy actually, Chinese spy. And lastly, we're going to cover we're going to cover um, presidential elections and democratic nominee process, and talk a lot about like foreign policy, uh, foreign policy component in this process. Exactly. So enjoy and let's jump. Let's right. jump right into it. So the first topic for today is the current situation in Libya and how it relates to international relations. So as some of you may know, ever since uh, the death of uh, Gaddafi in 2012, the former dictator of Libya, there has been a lot of turmoil within the yeah. country and a civil war. And recently, the Turkish president announced that Turkey will be involved in this mm-hmm. conflict and they will be backing the internationally recognized government to fight against the rebels of uh, the general Haftar. Yeah. So this is quite surprising to me. What do you think? What do you think? Why? Why would Turkey yeah. get involved in such a conflict? Well, I just I just say it's not about not only about Turkey but also about all great middle middle uh, Middle East players. It's like very big playground uh, for Russia, you know, for Saudi Arabia. I mean, for all middle uh, Middle East players, and I guess it, it just like as you as you mentioned, it all started when they toppled Gaddafi. When yes. the US toppled Gaddafi with its uh, airstrikes uh, and uh, bombings. Um, I guess what's important to mention that Gaddafi was just not only like dictator; he was like, like just I guess iconic, like uh, iconic personal personality for the yeah, whole the Arabian world. Yeah, because he had ideas to unite, uh, to, to create something like pan Arabic state. Pan Arabic state. Yeah, and uh, he was the guy who actually dropped his nuclear program in two thousand two uh, in exchange for like kind of promises. His country not gonna be in, inter, intervened by mm-hmm. the US. It wasn't intervened, but they found like another way how to topple it. But it was certainly influenced. Yeah, 
I mean, uh, I guess Libya is like very complex country. It I would is. say a very tribal country, and a lot of I guess advisors back then they warned uh, President Obama that it's going to be hard to find any kind of you know figure that can reconcile this country. Yes, basically under Gaddafi, well, he was a dictator, yeah. but at least the country was stable. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I mean, it's very, um, it, it, like, there are so many groups that want power, and what we now see is the actual civil war going on there, and there like two governments, two existing governments. It's like one government in Tripoli that's uh, being recognized by uh, United Nations, mm-hmm. uh, by uh, the United States, uh, and many European countries. And then you see Haftar. It's like yes. from it's it's general very. I mean, uh, he was a general during Gaddafi, so he has like very close links and had very close links to Gaddafi. Has very close links, I guess, to his supporters in the country, and he controls like another part of the country. I mean, he controls now more territory than actually actual yes, government. The, the actual government, and he's supported by Russia. Um, some people say by France uh, due to like people say. France sells uh, some military equipment to um, Haftar. Yes, French relations with North Africa have always been complicated. Yeah. And I mean, now we have like a process, for example, in France, uh, like former president um, being prosecuted for taking bribes from Gaddafi mm-hmm. uh, for his campaign, pres- uh, for his presidential campaign. Uh, Sarkozy, I mean. Okay, uh, Sarkozy. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, the situation is uh, like very complex. And I guess, uh, I mean, it all changes and you couldn't say that like film like there are film players that support like one side and uh, like because even like in Syrian conflict it's something very different I would say because for example if you look at Russia Russia works with like both parties mm-hmm. and this week uh, this week uh, there were talks in Moscow but they wanted to sign like a very uh, ceasefire yes. for a long time but uh, as we know Haftar left without like uh, Haftar left without putting his signature on the final document um, um, but uh, he still sticks to um, ceasefire mainly because uh, Heiko Maas he visited uh, Haftar in Benghazi and this week uh, and as we know there is upcoming uh, summit tomorrow yes. in Berlin and how do you think Val, why is it important for Europe uh, to normalize and stabilize situation in Libya, in Libya well this is I guess a conflict of interest that the EU and the US uh, already have in regards mm-hmm. to many different countries in the Middle East basically the destabilization of more countries in the Middle East will produce more mm-hmm. problems for the EU, that being migration mm-hmm. crisis. Mm-hmm. We've already seen what war in Syria uh, did in Europe. Basically, it divided many European yeah. countries. Once Some countries were very in favor of taking in refugees. Some were very mm-hmm. anxious about this, and this created disunities within mm-hmm. the European Union. And, well, I'm sure that all the leaders of the EU yes. would like to prevent something like this happening again. Yeah. So, basically, for the US, or countries like Russia, it doesn't matter if they destabilize the country because all the uh, consequences of this, or maybe not mm-hmm. all but most, will fall on the European Union. Uh, this is why yeah. 
the EU is very keen on preserving stability in, in any yeah. form in, in the Middle East or North African countries. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. I guess like just the fact that we can have like you know elections anytime like soon. For example, in Italy, we can have election like coming election in France in 2021. We have elections in Germany in 2021. So they definitely not they not willing to see like the rise of you know of, uh, parties because of like the new migration crisis that probably can happen because of the situation in Li uh, Libya. Um, just as like Libya, um, it's uh, I guess it's so close to Europe, so for migrants it's very easy. You just need to cross Mediterranean Sea. You can just go to Sicily, it's super close. Yeah, I mean to Greek island, for example. Um, and that's a big problem. Okay, oh, like migration is just like a big problem for you. It, it has been like a big problem for, you know, years, but they don't want it to exacerbate situation and yes. to make it worse. So, yeah, but I mean, the question is, interesting question, uh, this conflict is very different from, from Syria, where like, like European leaders actually work with Haftar, even though, I mean, he's very similar to I mean, what you can see. Uh, a lot of people say that he's like a dictator, he's like, you know, the way he rules and his connections to um, um, his connections to former Libyan uh, leader. And well, he is not recognized by the... Yeah, but I mean, people like, uh, they work with him. Uh, I guess, for example, if you take Russia, uh, mainly for Russia, it's the matter of... Uh, um, it's, it's the matter of oil there because mm -hmm. Russia has technologies, uh, has specialists to send there which can, oh, they, that can revitalize, so to speak, um, um, oil uh, industry in Libya. Um, and I mean, also, like Russia is, uh, I guess, uh, sticks to this like balance of power. You know, if you see, I guess, like they were reports that. Uh, Russia sent first mercenaries like in September 2019 uh, due to the fact that uh, government forces, I mean officially recognized by the UN, and they had like uh, very good positions, they won a lot of uh, territory, so Russia, what Russia wanted is not to let this group like just take the control uh, of power mm -hmm. and somehow to balance these two poles. Okay, so well we know what Russian interests are in there. So mm -hmm. Why is Turkey intervening? I mean, it's easy yeah. to understand why Turkey, for example, intervenes in Syria because they mm -hmm. border the country and they have the issue with mm -hmm. the Kurds. But what are their interests in Libya? So uh, I guess it's uh, the first interest. It's over Cyprus, uh, as far as I know, uh, because they have some promises from uh, Libyan government to like recognize uh, the part like Cyprus, like Turkish part of uh, Cyprus that like. Uh, you know, it's a territorial dispute. Yes. Uh, but also pro pro probably oil as well. And as, as we know, I guess uh, this, this, this government is recognized by the UN. It belongs to this like Muslim Brotherhood. And like Turkey uh, tends to support this um, politicians from Muslim Brotherhood. So party or like political organization. Which I'm sure Ataturk would disapprove yeah. of. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure as well. But it's just the question, maybe it's just the question that Turkey wants to play a more prominent role in the Middle East, and it's a very great opportunity for Turkey for, for Turkey to show its power because now it sends like troops there, military equipment, which is pretty much very good, by the way. Uh, a lot of people underestimate like Turkish, you know, military equipment and Turkish troops. 
Yeah, it's, it's pretty up to date. Yeah, mm-hmm. because they take they 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 they've been taking part in Syrian war, so yeah, they're already true. prepared for something else. Yeah. So, what do you expect from what uh, what do you expect Baba, from uh, tomorrow's summit? Well, I don't think there will be any agreement mm-hmm. reached because there are too many uh, interests that basically conflict each other. Mm-hmm. Basically, Russia has different interests, Turkey has different interests, and the EU yeah. has different interests. Yeah. So, well, I don't see this war ending in a peaceful manner because I'm sure the mm-hmm. uh, ruling government will not stand down and Haftar will definitely not stand down when he, mm-hmm. when he is in a winning position. So, I don't know, maybe we'll, maybe the mm-hmm. war will end in a decisive victory of one side, maybe there will be some division of the country or maybe it will be, yeah. keep on going without an end for many, okay. many years. But from tomorrow's summit, honestly, I do not expect yeah. much. I don't know. How about you? Uh, I I saw like a stories that they already prepared like a kind of like document that like main aim of this document is like to put embargo on so like all like big players in this in this game they won't sell um, equipment to annual or annual like uh, this uh, size that involved in the conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's pretty possible, uh, taking into account that we have, you know, Erdogan like coming to Berlin, we have Putin coming to Berlin, uh, and we have, you know, all European leaders. Um, so probably yes, but let's see, because it's hard to predict. Uh, it's especially hard to predict with, you know, guys like Haftar, yes, uh, who is like a general, who has his own ambitious. Ambition. He's a military commander rather than a politician. Yeah, and I mean, you know, having two, <clears throat> two kind of recognized uh, centers of power in Libya is kind of misleading and not really helping, I guess, to kind of solve the problem and uh, like get this country back on a like, peaceful track. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's how it is in Libya. I guess that's it about this topic. Yeah, then switch to another one. Let's move on. So, and let's turn to the news from the United States, where Donald Trump uh, signed something like a preliminary uh, truce with the, with China. Yeah, in terms of the trade war. Trade war. I mean, it's still like trade war. Trade war is still on, but now they have something like agreement to have further talks and to has to somehow normalize the situation between two countries. Uh, so, I mean, let's start with just this question. What's the purpose? Well, what, what do you think was the purpose of this uh, deal? Well, uh, first of all, I think it's worth to note that the ongoing trade war was not beneficial for the U.S. economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were for Chinese either, I guess. For Chinese <laughs> either, yeah. Nobody was gaining uh, on this. But, well, the uh, issue is that we have an upcoming presidential election in the U.S. Yeah. And... Many uh, political analysts and economists basically said that the recent elections were uh, the uh, I mean the Republicans lost some seats in the parliament. Mm-hmm. It was because of the trade trade war, which yeah. affected many people who basically were disapproved of president's foreign policy. So I guess this might be a step in Trump's presidential campaign for 2020. Yeah. Uh, I guess he listened to some advisors who told him this does not benefit your image mm-hmm. and this will not benefit your chances, will not increase your mm-hmm. chances of uh, getting re-elected. And well, for China it's also a win because mm-hmm. uh, they will get easier access to, well, hopefully for them, 
it's not certain yet, but their access to U.S. Mm -hmm. markets will be uh, easier. Mm -hmm. And as we all know, the Chinese economy basically relies on exports. Yeah, I mean, they, they cannot lose. I mean, they're still like the major component of this uh, Western uh, economic system. I would like to notice, I guess, that uh, it looks like it was more beneficial for the U.S., this agreement, mainly because, I mean, China promised to buy more U.S. products. I mean, there's like a quarter how, how much they should buy. And it promised not, not only to buy something like, uh, uh, the, like the products produced by American farmers, but also, like for example, oil and so on, which looks like a big deal. Uh, but of course, it's, it's, I mean, they still have uh, tariffs yes, uh, in place, even place. though, yeah, I mean, even though they cut, I guess, American side cut tariffs uh, for some products uh, from China, I mean, it, it just cut, I guess, it's from like 25 to 10 percent. I mean, you just need to check, go and check uh, on what type of like equipment and what type of products um, and they, they cut these tariffs. Um, it looks like I mean for them for the American side it's it's more a win I guess because Trump can actually present uh, his constituency that he has been working very hard on this trade deal exactly. and now they have like this agreement and you can see this deal coming. I don't think they're gonna have any kind of second um, stage of this deal uh, before presidential elections because probably it's very not risky. And I guess, it, it, I mean, it took a lot of time. And as we know, Chinese like a terrible negotiators and so, like for other people, because yeah. it takes so much time for, uh, like to have like actually to sign something with, with, with Chinese. Uh, it's I think very it's hard. also important for Trump that he basically uh, reached out for the Chinese to basically, he's able yeah. to show that his presidency in terms of foreign relations, relations is not only uh, being at a conflict with everyone. I think in the light of the recent mm -hmm. developments in Iran where the US escalated the situation, yeah. I think Trump also wanted to show, hey, look guys, I can also settle uh, issues yeah. and settle conflicts. I'm not only yeah. a warmonger. Yeah, but for Chinese, it's uh, it's kind of the same that they don't, you know, if you compare, for example, like Russia and China, it's like a classical example where China, it doesn't want to escalate any further because it understands that it actually depends, you know, on the Western markets. And then just like on this international system, uh, and it couldn't afford itself, you know, to lose this market. Yes, so exactly. Especially, escalate. especially now they do not do not yeah. want to escalate this even to, a, let's say, yeah. um, a very extreme example to an armed conflict because they still are behind yeah. in terms of uh, military capabilities. So yeah, that's I think also it's a win for them. Yeah, yeah that's that's a win for them. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's how it is. It is like I this, mean, exactly. it's also it's also important to notice that uh, also the U.S. doesn't recognize China anymore as a currency manipulator. It was a big deal for China for Chinese government, but not anymore. Uh, so yeah, we have this kind of uh, preliminary kind of truth, I would say. So for now on, for I guess for one year, maybe something like this. We have kind of, and they're gonna have negotiations going on, which is, I guess, very important. But I think the final outcome will be reached after the elections. Yeah. And, well, maybe if there's a different candidate elected than Donald Trump, maybe this will follow a completely different yeah. path. 
Yeah, even though I guess it, it increases actually Donald Trump's chances to win. Yes, totally. It's, it's good for his yeah, presidential yeah. campaign. Um, okay, that's that's it. But yeah. so let's switch to another topic connected to China, but oh, yes. in Europe. So the next topic for today is also related to China, mm-hmm. but this time not U.S. Chinese relations, but Chinese and uh, European Union. Yeah. So uh, recently on Wednesday, just to be precise, uh, the German uh, Der Spiegel basically reported that there was a spy mm-hmm. incident yeah. uh, within the European Union that a senior EU diplomat, who was also a lobbyist, is currently being under investigations by German prosecutors under the charges of being a spy for China. Oh, wow. That's a development. It is. So if this were to be true, this would mean that China basically has spies in the highest ranks of yeah. EU a diplomatic oh, service wow. and uh, well what does it mean for the EU yeah I guess uh, I, I I don't think a lot of people have any kind of illusions in terms of how Chinese um, how Chinese get information and get valuable vulnerable information from other governments there have been a lot of like talks uh, in debates about like this so 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 this, uh, that's so-called Chinese espionage, espionage system and network that exists like almost in every Western country and basically almost every senior, uh, almost every senior Chinese diplomat and worker who has an access to some sort of like valuable information, they all get this information and bring it to Chinese government. So, I guess. I guess it's very important right now because we have a lot of debates about 5G technologies yes. in Europe and in Great Britain and it's very important because it gives like this perspective that uh, what China can do with these technologies. Yeah, well, China wants to basically, let's say, infiltrate European markets yeah. and install their 5G networks. Uh, there, are, there is opposition to this. First of all, there are people who believe that 5G is dangerous mm-hmm. to your health, mm-hmm. and it's there are, there are conspiracy theories, as always, that it's yeah. a mind-control technology by some world conspirators. But other people who have more rational arguments are basically yeah. those who say that they are scared of China basically infiltrating the communication okay. markets of the European Union countries. So, well, yeah. what, what does it mean exactly, oh. the recent development for I guess, for, for example, if we talk about European uh, bureaucracy, I guess it's very important to enhance kind of security because it's more vulnerable, it's, it's way less protected than, let's say, national uh, infrastructure and national bureaucracy. I mean, it's way more easier to infiltrate into, like, European some sort of um, yeah, systems than into, like, German or French and so on. Um, I guess that's first point for me, and second, yeah, second point as I mentioned, it definitely gives like this anti-Chinese uh, argument to um, like this whole 5G in a debate, um, because a lot of people argue that definitely China gonna use this gonna use this information against you know European citizens. And again, again. But do you really think they will use it against, or rather, to maybe, let's say, influence the European oh. countries? Maybe you know, those this person who whose name we don't know was a lobbyist, and he was yeah. a member of the European Commission. So maybe uh, China wants to infiltrate the structures of the EU to basically to produce 
foreign policy favorable to their yeah. foreign policy. I mean, it's it's important to understand that when we take, for example, you, you know, the U.S.-Chinese relation and relationships, it's definitely like rivalry and it's definitely not going to be friendly in the near future. But when it comes to Euro, like the EU-China relationships, yeah, it's it's it's, not, it's, 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 it's it's still a question. It's not that belligerent. Yeah, I mean, first of all, a lot of EU member states they have very close cooperation with China and they are part of Belt and Road Initiative, for example, like Greece, even Italy, you know, like yeah. now is a part of Belt and Road Initiative. And because simply they need investments, they need money, uh, which you cannot provide in this amount, of course, as China can do. I mean it can just go and build the whole infrastructure in, in Greece, for example. Mm-hmm. And and so on. And, and China is also influencing, wants to invest yeah. in the energy market, building power yeah. plants, etc. And we also see, I guess, the level like this kind of independence from the US in terms of like taking any decisions or making any decisions. It's also a valuable, like valuable asset in terms of like for Europe to show that we are independent. Yeah, not we just a US puppet. Exactly. Yeah, we don't rely on just American commands. And we have our own, you know, interest with China and that you can see, you know, when, you know, Merkel goes to uh, Beijing, Beijing and, and Macron, they all recently in 2019, they all went to China with the, like, official state visit. And and it's a big market for, you know, China is a big market for, for example, for German cars, for, of course, and just for any other products uh, going from Europe. I mean, yeah. even for Polish apples. As we know, yeah. <laughs> Since Russia is not importing them anymore, yeah. um, I guess it's 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 a I guess big question for every European citizen, and um, just like to keep you updated in terms of what's happening there. I guess we should actually more incorporate China into our podcast. We kind of over uh, overlook this topic, but try to True. keep you updated. And uh, let's discuss China more in our further podcasts. So, and the last topic, it's a little bit not about security, even though we touch, uh, touch upon this topic. It's a presidential debate, and it's just a presidential campaign in the United States. Exactly. Uh, and so now we are very close to Iowa caucuses. As we know, Iowa caucuses just like they symbolically very important, but also statistically, um, candidates that win, you know, Iowa and uh, um, New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Yeah. Um, they're gonna get like this nomination. Yeah, usually it works like this. And now there is like a very you know in democratic. I mean, we don't discuss like Republicans a lot. I guess it's not all about Democrats. And there is like a very close, uh, very proximate uh, competition between uh, Biden and Bernie. Yeah. I guess mainly because uh, they had like this part between like Bernie. And Warren, I guess Warren is losing more and more its audience, its base, um, and Bernie looked very good in like last debate, for example. Yeah, he is a good speaker for sure. Yeah, he's not like not only uh, is he a good speaker, but I guess uh, he just um, like more leftist, for example, than Warren is. Yes, that's and true. He can way better articulate this. Uh, you know, l- l- like his left ideas, and also has a history behind him. You know, it's 30 years in in uh, Congress as independent senator from Vermont. It's, that's something, you know. True. That's something. But you know, his leftist agenda may be something that helps him win the nomination for being a yeah. candidate. 
but this might be also something that will be uh, an obstacle in the mm-hmm. national election, don't you think? Oh, yeah, that's that's true. And, you know, we have this argument that uh, the best candidate, I mean, Democrats have this argument, uh, especially Democrats who support um, Biden, they have this argument that only the guy who is closer to the center in terms of ideas can win Donald Trump yeah. and leftist like candidate can only... Um, push, you know, uh, these people in... Yeah, um, basically, such a candidate would not have any chance of stealing any constituents yeah. from Trump. So, yeah, um, that's who we are in terms of um, this presidential uh, campaign yep. right now. Uh, and let's talk a little bit maybe about foreign policy because I mean foreign policy definitely now is more important in presidential debate after all this Middle uh, Middle Eastern conflicts and so on and so forth. Um, so what do you think, Vava? Well, I think it all comes down uh, to the Democratic nominations. Yeah. Honestly, I think if uh, Biden gets the nomination and even if he wins the national election, mm-hmm. I think the foreign policy would not change too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Biden is still pretty conservative for a Democrat, mm-hmm. and Trump already set the nation uh, on a certain path in terms yeah. of foreign policy. I mean, there is no way that uh, Iran would negotiate mm-hmm. with the U.S. Uh, yeah. again, even if power changes in the country. I yeah. think there is no chance for a deal with North Korea as well. Uh, I think the only chance for some big turn would be a complete overhaul of the ruling uh, ruling yeah. power. So there would need to be some drastic change, that being yeah. Bernie Sanders, for example, him being very leftist. I think he would put m- much effort into yeah. changing the current path mm-hmm. of foreign policy. Yeah. So I'm um, for me. I look. I look at this uh, like the two big camps. If you look at Bernie versus. Uh, Biden. So Biden is like more this, you know, elitist, uh, internationalist, Democrat, you know, classical, you can say Democrat that's close to Hillary um, in his views. So it's just this idea that the US should play like crucial role in the world, that the US is like major power and should project this power and still, I mean, it's all about this um, democratic values uh, and of course trade. So mm-hmm. he's like pro-trade, I mean, very classical, uh, and he, of course, he highlights his own experience as vice president and says for him it's, it's going to be way more easier to conduct foreign policy in, in last debates. Uh, he also like emphasizes all, all, like, all, 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 like, all over again that he has more experience yeah. and so on. So Bernie is a little bit different. Uh, I guess Bernie hasn't spoken so so much about foreign policy. I mean, simply because it's not his, you know, topic. But from what he says, I mean, it's basically redistribute money in terms of not spend like, too much on yeah on military, of course, because I mean, you somehow need money for education and for healthcare if you want to have free education and healthcare. But it's also like the idea that. The U.S. Should, I mean, he's actually very close to uh, like this position of uh, you know American isolate America from the world. That it's mm-hmm. actually harmful for American citizens to be involved in any region, to have so many troops uh, across the globe, and 
you, we need to get our troops back, we need to spend less on military, um, and so on and so forth. So it's like two camps. It's uh, I mean, Bernie is way more uh, different in terms of foreign policy than, for example, uh, um, Biden. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, the question is how, if he like becomes president, how it's going to play? Because, for example, Obama was also very progressive foreign policy candidate had like the most, I guess, progressive views like, you know, ever, like, you know, uh, presidential nominee had in the U.S. But as so we, maybe yes. This, maybe this gives Bernie some chances. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, it all ended up, uh, you know, war in Libya, not intervention, but you know, this, another turmoil in Libya, in Middle Eastern countries, you know, great, like, uh, he, he ran on promise, um, Ronald promised to cut down, uh, to cut down, you know, military spending, but because of all of this, it actually increased and so on. Yep. Um, so, yeah, let's keep an eye on that. I guess it's also important, just like to to emphasize where where these candidates are in terms of foreign policy and domestic policies, American domestic policy policy as well. Yes, sir. And um, here we are. It's the end of the podcast. I guess we're wrapping it up. Yeah. So definitely subscribe to our channels, uh, rate us, so and you know tell your friends, uh, share with your friends if they're interested in these topics. So um, all the best. Good Have a nice weekend. Weekend and goodbye. See ya.